On this episode, we discuss why developers aren't making games for Stadia, how there's been a bunch of COVID-19 related geek event cancellations, and SpaceX's SN1 blows up. Also, Steve Wozniak makes a terrible Twitter comment. Finally, I do a Back to the Future themed edition of Geek Wars. This and more in this week's show. I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. This is the official gunageek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official gunageek.com show. I am Steven John Drew, and I am pleased to say that Chris Farrell is here this week. Uh, are you really? No one's ever pleased to say that. I was being courteous. I'm Canadian. I'm also happy to say that SP's here. I'm holding my podcast computer in my hands. For the audio listener, he is holding up a solid state drive that is by the uh, Samsung microphone company. I believe that's what it says. Oh, sorry. It says Samsung. I apologize. Yes, it's Samsung. It's 500 gigabytes, 750 EVO SSD. And it is my podcast machine. I'm holding it in my hand. Don't drop it. Is it your old drive or your new drive? It's still kind of new. I mean, it's an SSD. It's 500 Mm -hmm. gigabytes, but I did replace it with a newer one. Well, I'm holding a Samsung SmartThing smart button that does nothing. So how about that? I have a Samsung water sensor that does nothing because I haven't changed the battery in it in like forever. I feel like people are going to think that this podcast is sponsored by Samsung, but just don't worry. It's not. It's not. They would never come near us. It's sponsored by Apple because (laughs) Stephen has converted, we found out last week. He is now the resident Apple expert, aka fanboy. It's also sponsored Mm. by Tesla. And the Cybertruck specifically. That's right. Which you hate, Chris. Evidently, when you talk about the potential pitfalls of something or concerns you have, it automatically makes you a hater on the internet. So if I'm a hater for everything I have concerns about, there's not much I like, evidently. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy when we do talk about the Cybertruck is that it's an it's a nice refreshing cup of haterade from Chris Farrell. That is what I like. The haterade. Yes. That that's exactly what it is. I did not like it at all, despite what you would hear when you listen to said episode. I'm kind of I wondering. was called a hater in the YouTube I, comments. I'm wondering, does Chris hate the Cybertruck more or Pitt more? Oh, that's an easy question. The University of Pittsburgh consumes feces. I can't say it in a different way than I want to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the news. Here we go. Mr. Farrell, let's go ahead and start off with your news point, which I believe you titled so elegantly, uh, Stadia sucks. I think that was your news point. 
title well, that you put together. Steven, because I make the sidebar for every episode of the GunnaGeek.com show, so that makes perfect sense that I would have titled it that way so that more people can hate me on the internet. <laughs> I, I totally did that on purpose. You know, here's the thing. I don't okay. drink enough haterade. Okay, here's the thing, though, Chris. I get your logic, kind of, because obviously you have commented about n- the way that you don't like the Cybertruck and thus you've been deemed a Cybertruck hater. I get that. I understand that. That's because there are some people who like the Cybertruck. For people to say that they that you're the Stadia hater, someone would actually have to like Stadia. I mean, it's ironic <laughs> that I'm the Stadia hater of the show when there's one Steven John Drew who ordered a Stadia, went Psh, the hell with this and returned it without even opening it and trying it it's true. to Google. But somehow I, Chris Farrell, am the hater. But I will, I guess, wear this badge of honor with distinction because it is my lot in life to be the new JS and to hate everything on the GunnaGeek.com show. So send your hate <laughs> emails to JS at GunnaGeek.com and let me know how you feel about the hater aid I'm drinking. I think it would be better, actually, if people shipped you flair so you could hate on the flair. Like Ric Flair? No, you know, you people have lanyard and stuff, and they, and they put buttons and little magnets and stuff like that. That no. kind of flair. No. So why do you hate Stadia? Tell us. Why do I hate Stadia? Well, let's talk about the news about why Stadia is having problems bringing in developers and publishers. Like Steven might have mentioned when he returned his Google Stadia and spoke about it on the GunnaGeek.com show within the past couple months, it kind of hasn't been a huge success. One big reason... A lack of games, there's not a ton of libraries, excuse me, there's not a ton of games in Stadia's library, and Google isn't willing to spend the money to get more games on the platform. There was a story from Business Insider that stated many developers have explained that one of the biggest reasons indie games have stayed away from Stadia is the lack of financial incentive from Google. One executive at a publishing company described the amount of money that Google was offering to them as, quote, so low that it wasn't even part of the conversation. Another indie dev described how most platform owners like Microsoft and Epic offer upfront incentives to entice developers and publishers to create or release games on their stores. But with Google Stadia, the incentive was, in the words of that dev, kind of non-existent. So when you see some games on Steam or the Epic Game Store and the Microsoft Store, especially indie games, there's generally some kind of incentive, be it will give you a bit more of a cut of the money we make off it, it will give you prominent placement, things like that. Google Stadia's not really doing that, it doesn't sound like. And a lot of indie developers, it's kind of what they're used to. Right now in Google Stadia, there are only 28 games available on the service. Google has promised to add over 100 to the platform this year, but it looks like a lot of devs are nervous about working with Stadia. Why is that? Well, a lot of these developers mentioned to Business Insider that they were concerned about Stadia's future and how committed Google was to running the service long-term. This is something that we expressed as a concern when Google Stadia was announced, saying that the technology is really interesting, but arguably Microsoft is already doing it, Sony to some extent, and we are so used to the Google product graveyard of coming with great expectations and then all of a sudden just shut down because it's not working out. I kind of understand where these developers are coming from. Now, it's not necessarily all doom and gloom. There are new big games coming to Stadia. For instance, Doom Eternal is still planned to release on Stadia later this year, which is a big release. But it does seem like as a whole, that the whole Stadia experiment, it's kind of wobbly right now. We're on shaky ground and developers, which is what you need, 
aren't buying into it. So, Stephen, we know how much you loved your Google Stadia experience for the 30 seconds it was in your house. Does this give you more worry about the future of Google's streaming video game platform? You know, two things. Number one, it was in my house for at least 48 hours. Uh, most of those... Oh, I'm sorry. Most of I'm those sorry. that actually sat in the garage in the box, okay? So so that's where it was. You uh, stay in your box. You're not <laughs> worthy of entering my podcasting cave. I literally opened up the box to put the return paperwork in. That's why I opened <laughs> it up. Uh, <laughs> number two, this makes me really, really, really regret uh, even originally ordering it because it just sounds like a disaster. It sounds like worse than what I thought it was when I sent it back. When I sent it back, I sent it back thinking, this is something that might take off later, but they're going to have to work out some kinks. They're going to have to get some more developer buy-in. I'm going to wait and see. Maybe they'll make a second push, new version, sale version, something. I'm not even seeing hope that we're going to get vendors interested in making games. I had a little bit of hope that that might happen, but I don't think this is going to happen based off of this report. Well, they just need to learn to think the proper way to do it. I think Google, in knowing their reputation for a lot of things, might have come in a bit arrogantly that we're Google, everyone's going to want to play with us without considering the fact that, you know, a lot of these guys are incentivized to put these games on specific game stores already. And if you're not offering any incentive, What's the reason for an indie developer to be like, I'm going to put my game on Stadia first or feature it there? Well, the player base isn't there and they're not getting incentivized to do it. So I sort of get the problem. It, they need to course correct, it sounds like to me. And let's be honest, Google's got the money to throw at it if they want to course correct. It's just a matter of, do they give a crap at this point? I don't know. You know... I think what we have to do is start a Stadia sucks cast uh, where every week we do a report about why Stadia sucking this week. It, it could be Stadia sucks cast. It could be Google Stadia dot sucks. That might exist. Probably does exist. Uh, it could be this week in suck with Stadia. I don't know. We could do uh, something to that effect. And I think that Chris Farrell, you need to start it. Why not this week in Stadia sucks? We'll call it twists. <laughs> how about stadia what? sucks news weekly does that work well i mean in all seriousness <laughs> we would be a terrible group to do that because we are not unbiased nor have any of us used google stadia as my i assume sp has not used google stadia we know that steven has not and i will admit that i haven't so in the interest of fair coverage we only one of us could be on this kind of show we'd need someone who actually owns it I got it, guys. When will Stadia fire up and explode? Watch 2020. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to do that sound effect that we used to have. It didn't work out. All right, so we're going to go ahead then and, and uh, make that cast happen. Chris Farrell, I look forward to you submitting it to the Guinea Geek Network for application. Oh, it's going to be the highest production value you can imagine. <laughs> the highest. I'm looking forward to seeing your submission at guineageek.com slash join. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next point here, uh, which is going to be courtesy of myself. Uh, it's courtesy of myself because I'm doing a big roundup of a whole bunch of things. This is something that I started off by reading a article over this past weekend, and I thought, let's just go ahead and do a little bit of research on some of the other companies that have been affected by COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus or 
sorry, so that there's no lawsuits by co- Corona beer. The Corona virus. Uh, Chris, you're shaking your head. Oh, that was so bad. Anyways. So bad. Um, okay, so we know that it's a big thing. People have been saying it for a while that COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus, has, has been on the cusp of spreading rapidly and it's quite quickly happening uh, outside of sort of China and a couple other areas that it was quite heavily taking off. But the thing is, um, I wanted to bring it up today because there seems to be a a bunch of events and big companies being affected by the coronavirus as far as facilities shutting down. This past weekend, it was announced that LG had to shut down a uh, display factory due to an outbreak in South Korea. This was also timed about the same time that Samsung Electronics also had to shut down one of its factories, a mobile device factory, because a worker tested positive for the coronavirus. I wanted to mention this because of the fact that there are so many phones around the corner. So many different products are being made using products from LG and Samsung. And you can't help but think that this might affect production as far as what we can expect to see with timings this year. We might see quite a shift with the release schedule compared to what we've known if all of a sudden these vendors cannot keep up. Because remember, this is an LG display factory, which is huge because they do a lot of displays for different companies. So it's not just LG products. It's more than LG products. But it doesn't just go there. I wanted to round up, round up some other tech-related coronavirus cancellations. On February 27th, Facebook announced that they were going to cancel their F8 event, saying that they will replace the main F8 conference with, quote, locally hosted events, videos, and live stream content. Originally, F8 was scheduled to be May 5th and 6th this year. Another thing as well, which kind of related mostly because of the fact that Chris Farrell hates the Cybertruck. So let's talk about something a a little bit more traditional. Uh, The Geneva Motor Show, February 28th, they announced that the Geneva Motor Show was going to be canceled after the Swiss government banned gatherings of a thousand people or more. And the last one that I wanted to mention was the GDC, the Game Developers Conference, was announced on February 28th that the event, which has run since 1988, that was expected to take place this year, uh, March 16th through 20th in San Francisco, was also canceled, citing the COVID-19. So it's interesting to see all of these things happening. I don't really blame people or companies for doing this. I think you kind of have a responsibility to be proactive, especially when you look at the problem with mass gatherings when you have potential big outbreaks like this. But Uh, It's a lot of different tech and other geek-related events and things that seem to be being canceled, and it's probably just the tip of the iceberg. SP, what do you think? Well, I'm certainly glad I bought that iPhone for my daughter when I did versus waiting for a sale later on because I doubt there's going to be any sales. There's going to be some iPhone shortages or at least short stock that's coming up because Foxconn in in, uh, China has not been... Uh, producing as much as they had been before. I, as a matter of fact, I don't even think the factory is open yet. But yeah, this is going to be something that is not just in the tech sector, but is in all sectors. 
And there's a desire to ensure the infrastructure keeps working, that people still have power, that grocery stores are still stocked. But there's starting to get uh, shortages as as we are broadcasting here or we're recording here, starting to get see some shortages with things like face masks, which apparently don't do much unless you touch your face a lot, I guess. And uh, the 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 sanitary uh, hand um, wash, you know, the dry wash that you can get the hand sanitizer. So people are trying to stock up here. We'll see how this affects the tech markets and we'll see how this really affects global trade. I don't think we'll know for another month or so. Well, in regard to the gamer game developers conference, it sort of makes sense because a lot of the companies would be there had already started pulling out. So they did the smart decision. And in today's world, they realized, you know, we don't have to have everyone come to one big exhibit hall and conference center and do this. We can live stream a lot of these things. They came out and said, anyone who's going to give a speech, if you've already recorded it, send it to us. We'll put it up on our YouTube channel for people to consume. And they were going to make use of the internet as the tool it is to basically say, yes, there's a lot of cool content we could have had here and you can still watch it from the comfort of your own home or office. And it sort of makes sense. And I liked seeing that happen. And I think as you see other events like Mobile World Congress, I believe was also a bunch of companies pulled out of a lot of folks are talking about, "Eh, I don't think we need to have these conferences. And it's probably smart just because the way that COVID-19 works is the way it incubates, you don't know when you have it. So someone could come in and think they're perfectly fine and be spreading it around and cause a problem and cause things to spread. Supposedly, Japan's even considering what the plan is going forward with the Olympics and to figure out what their drop date is to figure out, okay, if we don't have a have a sign of remission or anything like that by this time, we need to figure out whether the Olympics is still happening. It's a big deal. I don't say that to cause panic. Just be aware of what's going on and it will have impacts beyond just day-to-day life. I mean, we're already seeing it now, like Steven mentioned, Samsung and LG displays are going to be in shorter supply and we're in the beginning of a product cycle for cell phones. Apple uses some Samsung displays that will probably impact them. So the tech industry is going to be impacted. Just be aware that your day-to-day life is going to be disrupted and potentially it's not a short-term thing as they work to develop a cure or figure out how to limit the spread of COVID-19. That being said, it doesn't mean go panic, go buy all the face masks, all the hand sanitizer in the world. It just means be smart. Wash your damn hands, people. That's the biggest and simplest thing you can do. Wash your hands whenever you go out and touch a bunch of stuff in public. Wash your hands when you get back home. I would say use hand sanitizer, but the caveat is you need to get the anti, the microbiome, not the antibiotic one, but the uh, antimicrobial hand sanitizer, which is hard to find right now. If you use just regular alcohol-based hand sanitizer, you're literally doing nothing to prevent COVID-19. We discovered it worked today, and everyone was like, oh my God. Luckily, we had a bunch of hand wipes that were antimicrobial. So just be smart. Realize your life might require some changes. And yes, it could be scary. And don't discount the 2% fact that it's a 2% mortality rate at this point in time. Just be smart. Live your life in an intelligent way. And look out for yourself. And if you think you're sick, I don't care whether it's just regular flu, COVID-19, whatever. Don't go to work. Don't get someone else sick. Um, you said that the alcohol sanitizer is not effective. Well, it's got that's generally antibacterial hand oh, sanitizer, no. which is not going to do anything for a virus. 
because uh, I, I thought that it was. And so I have just been like drinking alcohol straight up for weeks because oh, I, I mean, thought it would just build up in my system and help kill it. How is that different from any other? You're Canadian. You just live on beer, right? It's Molson. Uh, yeah, I was I was very, very jealous of Andrew Zarian over on the GFQ network. So I had to sort of start drinking more. Checks out. That's why it's <laughs> vodka in my cup. I mean, what? <laughs> I swear it's water. Well, I'm I'm actually really interested, though, to see what happens with the tech cycle this year. I think there'll be definitely some changes. Uh, Chris or SP, you had something that you wanted to talk about this week in regard to space XXX, right? What is your desire to turn everything space into something that's dirty? I, I'm not. I thought, I thought everyone has a fetish. I thought that this was a uh, an adult space program. So last week, <laughs> SpaceX tried a test on their Starship SN1 prototype. There's been a couple of videos floating around as how this went. Did either of you two watch either of those two videos? You linked one to me. I did. You did. did you watch it? You linked one to me. <laughs> <laughs> really? You guys haven't seen it? Okay. So SpaceX's new Starship prototype appeared to burst and then implode during a pressure test late on Friday, February 28th, just a couple of days ago. It ruptured under the glare of floodlights and the mist at the company's South Texas facility. Now, a video that was posted by NASA Spaceflight.com member Boca Chica Gal clearly shows the Starship's SN1's midsection buckling uh, during the test. Then it shot upward before it crushed and then crashed down to the ground. Starship SN1 is a test article for SpaceX's planned Starship and Super Heavy Mega, ro mega Rocket, a massive reusable vertical launch landing system designed to fly deep space missions to the moon, Mars, and beyond. If you guys have not seen this video, you really did need to see it because you see it on the stand, it kind of shakes a little bit, it pops up in the air, and then... Just completely implodes and then falls back to the earth and then explodes. It was amazing to watch. Question for you. What? Was it the uh, hot water heater that caused the problem? Was that what it was? Yes. Yes. That's of exactly. Of course it was. No. Okay, perfect. No. RIP Mad Mike. Uh, so I was wondering what was happening with this and I hadn't double checked to see if there was any updates because I put this news article in at lunch today. Uh, three hours ago, there was an update. Apparently, Elon Musk tweeted this morning and he said, we're stripping SN2, which is their next test article, to bare minimum to test the thrust puck to dome weld under pressure, first with water, then, so there's your water heater, then at cryo, hopefully ready to test in a few days. So as we know, Elon is no stranger to spectacular failures i know he would prefer not to be known for his failures <laughs> but he just picks right up and keeps on going hey we got another test article let's make that into the next phase of the test and so so by spectacular failures you mean the cyber truck windows <laughs> that you mentioned to, I'm that the hater now i've got to do it did you see the other news story today about the matchbook remote control truck 
no, that no. they're making with the Cybertruck. Yeah, so Matchbox came out with a little remote control Cybertruck, including the damaged driver's side window. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is funny. Uh, in the chat, <laughs> if you didn't know this, by the way, we stream the show live on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time at Geeks.Live. We have a chat from Liberty Dude 1775 and he says, is it true that they released this virus to cover up the rocket explosion? Mm. Is that true? Is that true? They, they used time travel to know yes. the rocket was going to blow up, then traveled back in time to deploy the virus is what I'm hearing. That's here. What It's 12 monkeys stuff right there, guys. <laughs> this is 13 monkeys because we're hardcore. <laughs> okay, I, I do feel bad for not seeing seeing this video yet, but it sounds spectacular. So I'm just going to go out on a whim and say, wow, it was amazing, SP. Uh, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with me. You're going to watch it later, though. I absolutely will. I Sorry, I had a very busy weekend. I apologize. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you got, though, with other space news this week? There was something else you wanted to talk about, wasn't there, SP? There's a couple of things that happen. So, first of all, I know you guys are big Star Trek Next Generation fans. Both of you, right? This is accurate. I have never seen an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation before. Okay. So, this is going to make no sense to you, then, probably. But... Unfortunately, we had another death in the scientific community. Freeman Dyson, who is a quantum physicist, and he imagined mega structures from aliens, has died at 96 last week. He uh, died in New Jersey, and he was most famous for the Dyson Sphere, a hypothetical structure a civilization might build around a star to enclose it and best harness its energy. Chris, you know what I'm talking about with the Dyson Sphere, right? I remember the episode. It's the one where they brought Montgomery Scott to Star Trek The Next Generation. It was a good one. As a matter of fact, he was actually marooned on the surface of the Dyson Sphere. Stuck in the transporter buffer. Yep. Who's Monterey Jack Scott? He Who is, is in Rescue Range, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. He's oh, the pilot. Right. I'm following now. You mentioned Chippendale to Steven on a live podcast. Yeah, you're a Chippendale brave man. Rescue Rangers. Don't don't get all gross. I'm not sure he what, you're talking, the rescue what Rangers. are you talking about. I love I love the Rescue Rangers. SP. He watches them on Disney Plus every night. Ch -ch -ch Chippendale Rescue Rangers with Chris <laughs> Farley making dances. I mean, what? Another story that I ran into was the critical rocket escape system motor for NASA's Orion spacecraft aces the final test. Now, this all these stories were from space.com, by the way. So NASA's Orion spacecraft has achieved a new milestone with a successful final test of the vehicle's attitude control motor, or ACM, on Tuesday, February 25th. During the test, eight high-pressure valves directed more than 7,000 pounds of thrust generated by the solid rocket motor in multiple directions while firing at freezing conditions, providing enough force to orient Orion and its crew for a safe landing. This was a statement by NASA officials. So NASA Orion spacecraft has, test, has uh, succeeded through its test phase and can go ahead and uh, start the launch countdown. So let me ask you this then, Mr. Pioneer, about this. Okay, Mr. J. <laughs> that was very unexpected. Uh, okay, so during this test, 
Eight high-pressure valves directed more than 7,000 pounds of thrust generated by the solid rocket motor in multiple directions while firing at freezing conditions. Is that correct? That's apparently what was in the article, yes. How, how many GMC Sierras worth of weight would that be? Thrust? No, pounds. Just, you know, how many? 7,000 pounds. Pounds of thrust. It's I, force. I, I, it's pounds I know, force. But you, I was trying to give you a segue to give a shot about the Cybertruck. And anyways, you've missed the ball on that one. Two two point five. If you're doing 7,000 pounds of weight of mass, mm -hmm. it's 2.5 Cybertrucks. There you go. Thank you. That was what I was looking for. Can't you read my mind already? We've only been podcasting no, for 300 years. No, it's pounds thrust. It's different than pounds mass. I don't. I, no, that's not the way that I interpreted it. You are wrong. Then <laughs> what are you? What are you? A rocket scientist or something? Actually, yeah. Oh well, then I stand corrected. Uh, you know who else needs to stand corrected? Big long way to get to this this news article. Steve Wozniak does. Uh, let's just go back to the coronavirus here because today it came out from Apple co-founder. Steve Wozniak suggesting that he was patient zero in the U.S. for the coronavirus. Uh, today, he did tweet, checking out Janet's bad cough started January 4th. We had just returned from China and may have both been patient zero in the U.S. This was, again, Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, ended up tweeting this out publicly today. How old is he? I literally don't know. How old is he? Uh, how old is Steve Wozniak? Riveting audio. Uh, he is 69 years old. Yeah, that's about the time where the mind goes. They ended up uh, coming out and saying, no, false alarm. Uh, she just has a sinus infection. So if that's not alarm bell ringing, I don't know what is. But uh, there you go. Steve Wozniak managed to get my attention on that and me highlighting it. I just thought I would mention it, though, because the shenanigans. Was he being serious or is this an instance of where sarcasm doesn't translate to Twitter very well? I don't know, but I feel like uh, it was probably real. He's, met, he, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, from my understanding. I, I was wondering how old he was. Oh, I'm following now. You gotcha. <sighs> yeah, anyways, uh, don't do things like this. It's awkward, and it's even more awkward when I bring it up on the podcast, and these guys have nothing to say about it. So. I'm sure Steve Wozniak <laughs> is going to tweet us directly to tell us what the real story is, because I'm sure he's watching right now. So, Steve, if you are, Tweet at Stephen John Drew and tell him what's going on. And they if you're actually, mad about it, send us an email to js at gonna and tell us. They all. might be immune and they might have been the carriers for the disease. We don't know. They could have come back from MU69 where life began. It's like venom. Are you saying that MU69 is the origin of the coronavirus? What? Wow. It's where life began. So why not the coronavirus? Fair enough. I, I stand corrected. And again, you're sitting down. Yeah, you're still in your chair. Oh, okay. I sit corrected. Is that better? Yeah. Let's go. No, I'll take it. Head and move on to Geek Wars. Watch your posture. Oh, 
it's time for another edition of Geek Wars. This is going to be a fun edition of Geek Wars that has nothing really... Uh, it's not like there's a special date or anything to do with this themed Geek Wars, but it is something that I thought of for two reasons. Uh, recently on the YouTube, you've been seeing a lot of things called deep fakes. If you're not familiar with that, a deep fake is when they take a video and they put other people on there. So it looks like them, but it's not them. Did you them. just William Shatner it? I did. I did William Shatner it. Yeah, I did. Uh, and recently there was a deep fake that involved Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland with Back to the Future. Uh, they had taken Back to the Future footage and they had changed it to be Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. First off, before we continue, let me say, I am very, very opposed to the idea of a Back to the Future reboot. I think it's a terrible idea. I'm glad that they've always said that it's not going to happen. And uh, Back to the Future re reboot, redo, whatever would just be horrendous. It's a terrible idea. Well, what do you me, mean? You could make the DeLorean into the Cybertruck. It would be <laughs> awesome. No, no, we don't need a reboot. Let me propose this to you. Okay. A Back to the Future sequel with Tom Holland as Marty McFly's kid going on an adventure with one Doc Brown. Okay, I could go for yeah. that. Fair enough, I could go for that. However... Like Christopher Lloyd Doc Brown? Yeah, he'd do it again, I guarantee it. Yeah, he's getting old, though. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be it. pretty. It'd be like live-action Rick and Morty, basically. But I will Maybe. say, okay, with all of that said, I will say, if, if they ever decide to do a reboot, which they've said they won't, it has to involve Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. because it was incredible in this deepfake. So that got me inspired. And I thought to myself, let's do a little Back to the Future trivia this oh, no. week. So we got a bunch of questions about the Back to the Future trilogy. The reason that I really got pushed over the edge with this as well is because I've been finally redoing some of my smart stuff. And one of the things that I'm doing is moving my alarm system over into my, my hub system. And I can put custom alerts in there when the alarm goes off. And uh, I am absolutely going to make it so that when the person enters their own unique code, it's exactly like uh, when uh, What's-Her-Face in the future unlocks the door and it says, welcome home. It's, it's going to be exactly like that. So I, okay. thought, I thought, let's just go ahead hmm. and do Back to the Future trivia. That was my long roundabout way to get there. Okay. <laughs> if you're not familiar with how we do Geek Wars, I will ask a question, and then these folks will have a chance to ring in. If they fail at that, they will have a chance. The other person will have a chance to answer. The first person that says their name or shouts out some form of very crude and, and uh, inappropriate comment will get a chance to answer. I'm not bleeping, by the way, so don't go that far. Let's start off with the first Challenge one here. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Let's start off with the first one, which we're going to kick it right off with a chance for two points. One point for each. Name the two characters that were recast for Back to the Future 2. I want the characters. There was two characters in Back to the Future 2 that were recast. Which characters were they? Do I have to know their name? You have to know what the character is. No one. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to buzz in. Waiting for somebody to buzz in. Yeah, Chris. but I don't know both. <laughs> well, you get one oh. point for each. 
Chris. All right, Chris. It was his girlfriend who I can't, Jennifer was her name, I think, with a character's name. And his dad was no longer, uh, what, I can't remember the character. Oh, really? Yeah, they changed the actor of the dad, I yeah. think. Because okay. um, Eric Stoltz, I think, was that who it was that was the dad? I can't remember. No, it was Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Eric Stoltz was originally going to be Marty is what it was in the original Back to the Future. Chris is absolutely right. It was both Jennifer and uh, George McFly. And one of the fun facts, actually, I, I really like the, the George McFly recasting because in Back to the Future 2, they tried to use prosthetics to hide uh, the recast. And in the future, they actually hang him upside down to help mask it yeah. more. And uh, Crispin Glover won the lawsuit. He sued them saying that they're using my likeness and they lost. They lost. So I thought I that did not know that. Yeah, really, really cool little uh, thing for actor rights. And I, I completely agree with it. So I it, anyways, Chris is right. So that's two points for Chris. Uh, also, uh, I had 10 questions written, but we actually have nine now because the next one was name the actor who originally played Marty McFly. But uh, <laughs> they're going to go ahead and cross oh, that I knew one that one. Right Eric Stoltz. Yeah, I would have known that. <laughs> yeah. so, Dang we'll go, it. Go on to question number three. Uh, originally, it was going to be Eric Stoltz. They wanted, they still did want Michael J. Fox, though, but he could not do it because his schedule would not allow it. Why? Chris. Chris? He was filming Family Ties. That would be three for Chris. That's absolutely correct. Alex P. Keaton. <laughs> All right. Here's one that should be on recent memory. I tried to go a little light this week because I sometimes go too far into the ether. This is one that I think you should remember, but it, maybe you'll doubt yourself. Uh, what year did Back to the Future 2 take place in? The future timeline. SP. Oh... I think it was SP first. I think. Yeah, I think it was too. Okay. I think it was too. I'm going to go with 2015. That is absolutely correct. There you go. You got one on the board there. Yay. That's your All right. This one here is actually a little bit of a tough one. So while it's only one answer, I'm going to give two points for the following. At the end of Back to the Future 2, Marty received a letter from which courier company? This was the letter from Doc Brown. Great Scott. That. All right, SP. Western Union. You're absolutely correct. I can't believe you knew that. Yep. Wow. No, he's right. It's Western Union. <laughs> That's impressive. Wow. Wow. I thought you, neither of you were getting that one. I just remembered it because I was like, oh, if I ever need to send a message to myself in the future, I got to remember Western Union will do that. <laughs> uh, all right. So here's one. Bob Gale wrote most of the first draft for Back to the Future 2. Because Robert Zemeckis was busy doing which other movie? I know this one's this one's side. This one's a a left a, an adjacent question. All all that's coming to mind is Jurassic Park, and I know that's wrong. So that is very wrong. <laughs> I feel like I should know this, but I don't. And as soon as you say it, I'm gonna probably facepalm. All right, it was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, that was the reason. Yeah. Son of a did not know that. I should have known. Question number seven, which, by the way, right now, the score is tied at three. Uh, who plays Doc Brown's love Clara in Back to the Future 3? Chris. All right, Chris. Mary Steenburgen. You are absolutely correct. Ted Danson's wife. <laughs> yep. Uh, which, by the way, well, did, I didn't, did I didn't know Ted this. 
Sorry, go Wasn't ahead. he married to Whoopi Goldberg at one point? Mm, maybe. I don't know. I think he was. He might still be. I don't know. Look, all I know is we all just got to take it sleazy. Oh, again, hurting my feelings. <laughs> uh, all right. Question number eight. Uh, how in Back to the Future 3, how does Marty save Clara when she's hanging off the side of a train? How does she, he save her? Chris? He goes like this. <gasps> no, that's not true. <laughs> he does that. <laughs> It's not how he saves her. <laughs> Just no, a big, but he's a crawling up the side of the train and he looks at the ground. And he's like, Ooh. I said Marty. I didn't say Doc. Oh, Marty. I didn't say Damn Doc. It. <laughs> Chris, what, what's your answer? He uses the hoverboard. He does use the hoverboard. That's one of my like first real like moments that stands out to me as a kid, which is why I put this in here, where it was like taking a plot device from a previous movie and using it in the current one. Like that that's one of my earliest memories of of that sort of use. Say what you want about Back to the Future 3 cuz it's not as popular as the other two. It's still tightly written. I it mean is. like they made everything still fit together and to this day Back to the Future still has the best way of describing and showing time travel and its consequences. So Chris is at 4 or are you at 5 now? I lost track. <laughs> I think you're at 4. Or you're a five. Oh, is it five? You're a five now. Minus two. You're a five. Okay, I'm at minus <laughs> 100. All right. The next question's worth a thousand points. Let's go ahead and uh, go two points. We'll go with two points. I was going to go one point, <laughs> but we'll go two points. Uh, two points, one point for each. Uh, what were the name of Doc Brown and Clara's kids? Chris. All right. Jules and Vern. Yep, you're correct. <laughs> And question number 10, before we get to our bonus question, finish Biff's infamous quote, make like a tree and get out of here. Well done. That is absolutely a point for you. Chris, you knew that. I did. <laughs> that is okay. a point for you. But this last one, this last one is worth a whopping Five points if you can get it exactly. What does old Biff say to young Biff when young Biff says that quote? So young Biff says to old Biff, make oh. like a tree and get out of here. To I, which I remember the banner, but I don't remember it exactly. Chris, do you have it? Nope. It's, he, it's like split, you idiot, and he hits him with the cane and stuff. It's, it's close, but he says, it's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. <laughs> so, Should have won an Oscar for that. Uh, so it, we, it was a great scene. I actually had to go rewatch that when I wrote this. I, uh, I love that interaction between the two. It's so well done. But anyways, that's going to go ahead and finish this edition of Geek Wars. I can't believe that went really fast. But uh, I just wanted to do it just because, again, Back to the Future was on my mind. So I thought I would go ahead and do that. And uh, clearly, Chris knows more about the future than SP. I'm just surprised you didn't ask me what was going to happen when this baby hit 88 miles per hour. <laughs> I didn't want to have to bleep you. <laughs> uh, you know, the whole... Have you ever looked up the old... Uh, at the Eric Stoltz footage? Have you ever watched it? Well, they, A yeah, long time some ago, of it. yeah. 
I read an article recently that um, one of the facts, allegedly, and I didn't verify this, so this could be BS and someone telling a story many, many years later. Um, obviously, they felt he wasn't working for the part. But apparently, one of the other things that happened that they just like had troubles with was he was very method acting and he wanted to be called Marty off, off camera as well. I had seen something on that too. And from when I watched the stuff, I didn't think he had as good a chemistry with Christopher Lloyd no. as uh, Michael J. Fox ended up having. Yeah. I mean, granted, you can look at it now and be like, I never understood why they would go this route, but they saw something to begin with. And again, Michael J. Fox was super busy. The fact that I read a book that was behind the scenes of how they got all of this done. And Michael J. Fox's schedule was insane to accommodate going back to the future and family ties at the same time. Like he had people driving him back and forth so he could sleep in the car and try and learn his lines and stuff like that. How he did that movie and worked full time on family ties that had to burn him out. I mean, I can't imagine the exhaustion that would be. I thought I also read that they like family ties ended up being accommodating and like really shot, like did a weird uh, shoot schedule as well. I thought I'd read something about it being an unusual shooting schedule they did. I thought too. it was after the first one that happened. Oh, uh, was it? Oh, I can't remember. It's yes. been a while since I read the book. That might have been. Yeah, you might be right on that. I mean, it was a hit series from uh, 82 to 89 or something like that. So it was right in the heart of the filming for Back to the Future. And, and that was the big money was network television at that point in time. It wasn't as much for the him. movies. Remember, we flip-flop back and forth between what's the big money maker, and at that point in time, network television was a bigger deal than movies in a lot well, of people's Well, it depends eyes. on what kind of movie you were making True. and what kind of pay that you could actually achieve. For him, yes, the TV show was better, but for other actors, no, it would have been the other way. Yeah. So thanks for uh, letting me do that. Uh, I know you didn't give me permission, but uh, I still thank you for letting me do that, Chris Farrell. I know that you hate Back to the Future. <laughs> well, you know, the DeLorean has the same sort of body structure as the Cybertruck, so I could see why he yeah. doesn't like it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, SB, before Chris flips us off, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? We just finished the Legion show over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was an interesting end, and it was an interesting three seasons. It was probably the most unique TV show that I've ever watched. And we are now leaving that behind as we prepare for the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We'll be going over Jessica Jones. So if you have anything to say about the Netflix series, in particular, Jessica Jones season two, we will take your questions and run with them over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Chris Farrell, is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote? Yes, uh, Stephen, I need to promote your new project that you're afraid to tell people about, which is Stephen loves the Cybertruck and thinks StadiaSucks.com, where he's going to read daily news stories about both Stadia and the Cybertruck. He'll be joined by a myriad of guests to share their, sh their same loves with Stephen. I cannot wait for this new project to start, Stephen. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be your first subscriber. I've heard of making very specific niches, but the two of those together seem like extremely niche. I'm I'm not sure. You dialed in that demographic. I think you know how many people you're going to get. I, I mean, the research you've done to prepare this show, I'm just shocked and astounded at how on point it is for a certain demographic, and they're all going to love it. So to be I clear, I, I, I have to 
be somebody that likes the Cybertruck and hates Stadia to listen and enjoy. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. That is correct. Okay. I thought you were starting a new podcast called Rai Rai the Sci-Fi Guy. <laughs> so on that note, for the final episode of the com show, because it's going to now be called Stadia Sucks Cast, I'm Stephen John Drew saying Stadia sucks. And I'm SB saying whatever you like, play your video games that you do. And I'm Chris Farrell saying, hey, we found a way for Steven to stop making space dirty. Talk about Stadia. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.